Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by the supporters of patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac. And if you enjoy this podcast, you should consider becoming a supporter of patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac. This will not be the last time you hear the word patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac in this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 23 of Falling Forward with Dan Lassac. Are we there? I think it's 23. I'm recording this standing up today, so people walking past on the street below can see me just standing there. I think they think I'm a radio station. Like that weird TV station in Broad Street Mall in Reading. If you're ever there, go up to the the, uh, second floor, wander towards the car park, and you'll see a TV channel called That's TV. And it's just two people sat around a table. I don't know if it's a real thing, but it says TV... They've got a free view channel number, so they must be. It must be legit. What was the question? Oh, yes. This week's guest is Nathan Fake, electronic music producer, pioneer. Just a hugely talented musician. Someone I've not spoken to in maybe a decade. I don't know. I don't know. We were both in Reading at the same time, around the, the college years. And uh, kind of knew each other through others. Like Digger. Yeah, through Digger. And those two that worked in the Iguana when the Iguana was still here. The cafe part, not the club part. I can't remember their names. I think they got married. You don't know who any of these people are, but that's fine. That's fine. Nor do I anymore. But yes, I, I took a drive to Norfolk. To the Norwich. And... um we had a lovely afternoon. We chatted, we drank coffee, then we stopped recording, and then we chatted some more. But stuff we can't really say on the record, you know, about certain DJs' riders, or uh, or which DJs committed the most murders. Um, you'd be surprised which one it is. They're very committed. Very committed to their murdering. But yeah, we got to dig deep into his career. Obviously, he... Uh, he did his first release while he was still at college, like he had vinyl in his hands while still studying, which is always mind-blowing to me. I didn't see vinyl of my own work until I was like 27, 28 or something. 
But yeah, going through that, through Drowning in a Sea of Love, Hard Islands, Steam Days, and up to the most recent LP, which is Providence, which came out on Ninja Tune. You should Google that. You should Google all the albums and listen to them. Maybe purchase them and uh, put them on your preferred device, like a Zoom, and uh, walk around town having a little listen. Thank you again, Nathan, for letting me come to your house and invade your privacy. But I'll do the plugs, and then, then you can listen to it, yeah? That sound good? So I've already plugged Patreon at the start of the show, patreon.com forward slash Sack. So I don't need to plug Patreon again. Patreon. Patreon. Uh, music this week is actually not on my Bandcamp. Usually I would point you to danielsack.bandcamp.com and tell you the music's there but it's not there this week because it's something I'm it's a demo it's a rough idea it's a thing I'm working on uh, if you want to hear it without me talking over it hit me up on Twitter and I'll, I'll hook you up and it will be on Bandcamp in the future I just don't know when yet and don't forget if you can subscribe to the podcast if you can review the podcast if you can just do all those things that every podcaster tells you to do that would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget, danisgreat.co.uk for all your merchandise needs. And uh, 20% off with the old Dan is Great code at checkout. So, yeah, that's the plugs. Oh, I nearly forgot to plug this. Uh, go to Scroobius Pipio, his Twitter. Go to his Twitter and find the uh, post about Kill Ben Lick, which is the new movie. The new movie is in. Um, they're doing a sort of, I don't know how to explain it, kind of crowdfunded screenings at view cinemas around the country. Um, and they have to sell a certain amount of tickets before the screening is confirmed. So go find that post. Go find the cinema in your area. And go support Scrooby's Pit. If I'd remember to do that in advance, I might have written down a better way of explaining all that. But anyway back to whatever I was either plugging or talking about before. Woohoo! I really don't like doing any of that bit. That bit's the worst bit of the podcast. I wish I didn't have to do that bit. But if I don't do that bit, you lot don't do the bit that pays for my electricity. And batteries. I get through a lot of batteries for this podcast. I'm going to buy some recycled ones. But you don't need to know that. That's not important to you. That's not important information for you. So I'll get out of the way and uh, enjoy the chat with Nathan Fake and me, Dan Lassac. I don't know if you know who I am. Do you know? Do you know me? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is, we've been talking and there's no difference now. We haven't yeah. changed. I'm not about to go, hey, well, is you, <laughs> you join me here in sunny Norwich <laughs> with Radio a Nathan Fake. <laughs> Of Nathan Fake fame. <laughs> I also do this thing where I keep having to look at it, the recorder, not my penis, just uh-huh. over and over again. Is it? Is it still working? Is it? Is it? Actually you could still getting... be talking about your penis now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, it, is this working? Is this, is this on? Is it? Is it working? <laughs> it, is, it is. Yeah. That's the worst when a girl taps it. <laughs> One two. There's, there's no girls here, don't worry. <laughs> Not yet. It's only so we've only just had our coffee. Let's get loose. Wee. Wee. Hi, darling. How are you doing? I'm fine. Oh, good. Glad, glad you're doing well. Yeah, there's loads of girls here now. They're all, they're all <laughs> turned up. Keep it down. <laughs> do you remember Sean's show? I don't think I do, no. I can't remember. He's Irish comedian. And he had a show. Sean and Hughes? Sean Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, so he had like a sit, sort of sitcom-y thing. Oh, right. And every time he, his phone rang, before he picked it up, he'd turn up jazz music. <laughs> so when he answered, he was like, hi, hi, yeah, sorry, let me turn down the jazz. <laughs> yeah, I just turned up. Hey, guys, can you keep it down? I'm just turning down the jazz. <laughs> but like I you live, like, in, live in Dalston or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is pre... pre yeah, it must be. I'm old. I'm 40. I'm allowed. I'm just catching you up. It's going to mix it. What, is it a different time continuum, Dan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it moves ever so slightly You're faster. You're getting younger now. Oh, a nightmare. Yeah. I don't want to get younger. Don't, don't let me lose all my memories. That's all I want. How old are you? I'm 36. 36 for four years. Yeah, you're the same age as my brother. So, four, you know, your first release was 2003. Yeah, it was. Pretty much? Yeah. When I was and that was ready. when you were at college? Yeah, yeah. Was, how was that? It was really weird, actually. I remember, like, it was quite weird how it happened. It sort of, it started happening, like, the whole, you know, thing with me getting a record released and whatever, while I was still back in Norfolk, like, mm. before I'd moved to Reading to go to college and stuff. And then it all, and then when, by the time it came out, I was in, I was in Reading, so... Which is kind of nice because it was sort of near London and stuff. I felt like I was more in. Yeah. It felt like I was, you know, part do, of doing, it. doing business because I was <laughs> closer to London or something. But yeah. Because we had yeah. mobile phones in Reading. We had, all <laughs> it, you know, indoor indoor electricity. You keep yeah. your electricity outside in in Norwich. Yeah, yeah. We're having it pumped in. But like, 
that must have been pretty rad to be able to because you were doing music tech yeah and to have like hey this is my music tech on vinyl yeah it's a bit weird I mean because I mean I yeah, I didn't I didn't finish that course I was I got into the second year and then that by the time that I was there I sort of my music career kind of started yeah. <laughs> so like yeah but I stayed in Reading for a couple of years after that yeah because um, you had Watlington Street EP the next year yeah, and I think by the time I released that, I wasn't living at Wallington Street anymore. But yeah, that was where I lived in like my first year. So I think if I'm like, I get confused. I think when by the time you released that, my friend Jake had moved to Wallington Street. Oh, really? <laughs> like maybe two doors down from where you used it's to a live. Tiny little street, yeah. It's a tiny street. Yeah. And it was always weird to me, like, because I was working at HMV, so I, uh, that record would be on the shelf, and it's uh, like. Why did you name it after this? <laughs> you could have gone to Radstock Road, Addington. There's loads of good roads in I basically made it living there. That's why I called it that. Yeah. So, like, that EP was, like, all stuff that was... Well, that it came out just after my first record. But I'd made all those tunes around the same time. Mm. So, yeah. But it was, like... Yeah, Outhouse, my first record. I sort of, like, started that in Norfolk and finished it in Reading. And then it got released in the... Mm. The Wallington Street EP was all stuff I made in Reading, which I've just re-released that actually. You did, you did. Yeah. I, I, just digitally, but yeah, because it was you know 2004 that came out. But yeah, do you feel old? That's 15 it's, years, isn't it? When it? Yeah, when it, yeah, it's like that's a child. That's a years. child who who's who physically could get another child pregnant <laughs> at this point. Yeah. That's crazy. Your EP could be out there impregnating <laughs> people <laughs> right now. And you wouldn't even know it. You put it on the internet, it can get anywhere now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's weird. Like Because, you know, like we're talking about Reading now, right? The memories of that place. Because I haven't been there for so long. It must, it must be over 10 years since I've actually been to Reading. Mm. More than that. So, like, um, the memories are still super fresh of what Reading is like. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't feel old, but then when I think about who I was back then, you know, I was like 21 or, which is just like, that, I was literally a child. I mean, you, you still are a child when you're 21, aren't you? Really? Yeah, you yeah. There's, there's a bit of your brain that doesn't finish, like, doesn't set until you're like 25. Yeah. And that's, the, I can't remember what bit it is, but really it's to do with like decision making and uh, okay. reasoning and stuff. So, yeah, you're definitely not an adult. Yeah, you don't point. really sort of know yourself at that age, do you? You know, I feel like I feel like now I'm like I totally know myself really well now. I'm, you know, but yeah. So when I think back to who I was when yeah that record or those records came out, it does feel like super long ago. But like um, I I can like if I do dumb shit now, like, <laughs> if I like the way I talk to people, so like, sometimes I'll snap at someone, but now I understand why that happened. Back then, I'd say something really offensive to someone, and I would not know why I'd yeah, say it. Yeah, Just like... Yeah, yeah. Well, well... I think I could be... Yeah, when I was younger, I, was, I feel like, in hindsight, I was sort of, I could say it's quite tactless stuff quite a lot of the time, but, you know, people do, don't they? But, like, um, I feel like I've... You're being edgy. Yeah, techno uh, Technogoth. In a really cringe way. <laughs> but, um... You had a, a bit of a head start on, on some artists, you know, you got to start before you had to walk into the world and get a real job sort of stuff. Kind of. I did have like you a couple had jobs, of, yeah. A couple of like random jobs here, like yeah, in Norfolk, mm. yeah. 
I worked on a farm. <laughs> That's how much more stereotypical you can get. <laughs> I worked on a chicken farm for a bit, so oh, yeah. we've got that in common. Yeah. Chickens are the smaller ones. Cows, <laughs> cows are the big ones. The cows are the ones you can ride. Well, you can yeah. ride two chickens, but they need a lot of training. Strap them to your feet. And a lot, yeah. Get them to carry you a yeah. lot. <laughs> I don't think they do it willingly, yeah. but they're chickens, so it's fine. Or for long. Not <laughs> long at all. Not now, not at my age. I'm heavy. I'm heavy. Okay, so you got to that head start, and then as you were doing your first album, what, 2006? Well, I made the album about 2004. You made it 2004, yeah. but it didn't come out. Okay, mate, because it was like the label, Border Community, it was like the first album they did. So, and I think, oh, really? And... Yeah, yeah, that was like... I didn't realise it was the first CD album. BCCD01, yeah, it was like the first album they ever released. Nice. Um, and so it took a while for for it to all sort of happen, really, because, yeah, we had a, I think, I say we, I mean, I didn't have any involvement in running the label, but Border Community kind of like, you know, were kind of finding their feet with how to put out an album, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was fine, it was, it was no problem at all, but this yeah. This thing, like putting out an LP, a like vinyl... EP yeah, is you thing. make a thousand or you make 500 then probably yeah. 500 or a thousand and then you sell them that yeah. was it you know it was like email a few DJs yeah. send it out to a few mags because the album yeah, we were doing it on CD which well, the label hadn't done before yeah. Whatever. yeah so there was a whole bunch of stuff and all that you know album artwork which is a lot more extensive than a single and you know mastering so yeah it was like it took a while for it to come out for that reason really mm. all good you know it was quite nice to sort of have it all gap but you in that time as well you got the Motorola advert that was the track from that album it was so it grandfathered I think it was Yeah, I always thought it was a T-Mobile ad until when I was looking yesterday I forgot about that yeah but that again is like another kind of bit chunk of freedom right at the start do you feel yeah. like you had a little less stress going in I think so I mean, like I said, because I was so young, and it's funny, like, back, so back in, like, 2003, to have someone who was, like, I mean, I was 20, I think, when my record came out, my first one, having someone that young, and I started doing gigs straight away, pretty much, as well, it was quite weird to be that young, because when I was, sort of, like, doing gigs, sort of, around Europe, I mostly played in, like, sort of, Holland and Germany around that time, most, sort of, you know, the other DJs or whatever sort of like were like 10 plus years older than me so yeah I was like, oh you're so young blah, blah. And, I was like, oh. and like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of grams of cocaine older as well, right? <laughs> they're physically aged was, they're, they're like nice mahogany varnished skin yeah, you know I was very naive to all that at that point but um <laughs> but uh now it's like super normal I think for like new artists to be young and yeah no definitely nowadays you know you get like teenagers I mean, things like James Holden, he, he was like 17 or something when his first record came out, but that, he was like a total rarity, you know, mm. that, that wasn't normal. Yeah, not But all. it's really normal now, I think, yeah. Well, I think so, now as well, because of the way the internet works as well. Yeah, the tools are like much easily available. And there's, and basically you just, I'm not saying like people aren't as talented, but you can just sort of look up how to make music on, on the internet, basically. Oh, mate, like, there are... <laughs> Tutorials. So it is, I mean, which is good, because it could just give people a push, and then they'll get their own... I think I've learned more there, about, but... like, music theory, actual music theory in the last year than I've ever learned before. Because, yeah. I, like, someone asked me to do a thing in a certain style, and I was like, okay. oh, uh, I just press the buttons, and the noises <laughs> happen, you know, until I find the noises that I like. <laughs> 
So, and it was like, okay, well, I need to know, like, uh, oh, what's the chord structure they use and all that. And it was like, all right, oh, yeah, yeah. this music theory thing's really easy. Well, it's the thing with music theory, like, because I, I grew up, so when I, when I kind of, like, you know, was, like, discovering music or discovering playing music or making it, I sort of, I always played the keyboard, but I didn't know the names for all these things. But when I started learning about music theory at college, I was like, oh, that's what that thing's called. You mm. know, that's, oh, that's that thing I already sort of, I've already kind of like been doing. But yeah, so that's useful to put a name to stuff that you Yeah, that's, that's like, <laughs> But like, other than that, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a jungle. Like, I, I realised the other day that there's one of the B flat scales, B flat minor or something, that I use all the time. I, but I didn't know I used oh, yeah. that. I just knew these keys work together in these combinations it's good, yeah it's a good it's a good key B flat <laughs> it's got most it's nice, of the black nice ones in the in middle all, yeah. all the black notes in there all, it's a good it's a nice one. sort of bass line key because it's sort of not it's like a nice sort of like middle sort of punchy kind of note rather than too subby so it gets lost in stuff it's I see this yeah. this thing that I was trying to explain to someone not too long ago that part of why certain genres sound certain ways is not just the nonce. It's the decision that, like you say, like certain scales sit just in the right spot yeah. for bass to feel yeah, nice, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Like certain scales can't are harder to play on guitar, so you're less likely Definitely. to play them on guitar. Some, it's like on keyboards, like C major and A minor are just all white notes. So you can, yeah. you can just do like crazy, it'll sound good. Exactly. <laughs> you can just like, like they're all going to fit, they're all going to work. Mash your hands on the keyboard and... But yeah, it's like weird how the, in in a sense, the technology um, that can create entire genres. Yeah, so. totally. That's what electronic music is, isn't it? Basically, it's the technology that created. I mean, it's people using the technology mm. in, in the way that it wasn't supposed to be used. Basically, wasn't it? That's kind of how electronic music got. You you. In its modern, its modern sense, anyway. Obviously, you've never been known to be like a big gearhead kind of kit owning guy yeah yeah how do you how do you feel about like the way people are gravitating towards like modular now and, yeah and spending huge amounts of money to make one note yeah play at a time well it's funny i mean yeah because i always my first sort of two or three albums maybe three or four albums of sort of basically all computer bar like a couple of sort of cassette recording techniques mm. but like um Soften those edges, Nathan. Soften yeah, those edges. Yeah, totally. Well, because, yeah, because that's that sort of early, mid-2000s, it was like, I think that very digital sort of laptop-y kind of like IDM type. Oh, yeah. Like we, all the rage. We can make that weird form and... Yeah. So that kind of like late 90s, early 2000s was like very much like, oh, yeah, you know, just 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 a laptop and that's it. You know, that, yeah. that was like cool. And then now it's obviously gone back to hardware because I think the technology has sort of merged with you know the the old vintage analog stuff and with the modern digital so so it's but it's like kind of like a optimized version of yeah so I think that and, and it's more fun it's like you know it's sort of right there a box that you can touch or a keyboard that you can touch I think the thing with modular it's like I'm not personally I've never got, got into the whole modular thing um but like I totally get it Mm. I mean, I think it's quite, it's probably quite addictive and a lot of fun, but like, it's, for me, it's kind of like, I, I'm really, I'm really crap at sort of tech stuff. Mm. I'm like, I, I make music, I make, I make it, I make electronic music, which is obviously a technical thing, but like, 
I know, I know how to like make music, but I wouldn't know how to like use all kinds of gear. Yeah. Stuff like modular seems like really interesting if you're into like engineering or if you know. I sort of know the basics of how like a synthesizer works, but like if you sort of know exactly how all that stuff works, you want to just put together your own version of it. Then modular is amazing. Mm. I just don't have any desire to do that. I, I sort of I quite enjoy just sort of using quite crap instruments and just kind of squeezing incredible or trying to just squeeze incredible stuff out. Of them. But do you do you find that limitation? helps yeah like, totally that's why you have to push yeah. further into it well it's funny so my first album that drowning in a sea of love that i recorded in reading that was like i had like for a lot of the sounds i had like this sort of toy casio keyboard i had since i was a kid and that's like when you sort of decontextualize those sort of sounds people just think it's a synth because mm. they essentially are because they can't sounds. see it yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a casio casio vl tone which is oh, about yeah. I don't know, like 30 centimetres long, not even that. It's got yeah. a calculator in it. And if you save a number to the calculator, when you go back to play the synth, it's synth. That's how you yeah. made it change parameters. You couldn't change many. You could change release. I remember that because I'd always put that to 99. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it was just a really simple thing. But yeah. those things were having to, <coughs> those things were having to make sounds in the way the, the big things were it's just yeah, yeah. you didn't have all yeah you just it was just like a small box it was a toy but yeah. it was still like FM synthesis or like PCM whatever you know whatever Casio used so yeah PCM those, I think yeah that was the Casio. Casio FM was the Yamaha one wasn't it because all oh all no this, I get confused yeah now cause yeah well because like, all the sort of Yamaha PSR whatever keyboards they were their sounds were like really FM-y like you know you can tell it's all yeah. yeah and um, the Casio ones were a bit more sort of rigid or something they sort of didn't sound quite so like alive and synthy as, as <laughs> Yamaha ones did but anyway yeah I used to I used a whole bunch of those like yeah just like the sort of string sound which is just this weird kind of it's quite a nice sound but you know I remember when as a kid sort of scrolling through all the sounds oh it doesn't sound like an oboe does it you know but it's like <laughs> yeah obviously yeah but like if you just if you're just like a sort of disembodied like tone and it's like oh that's a nice synth sound or something yeah, yeah. so that was what I quite liked I always music. liked it how that none of them ever sounded like yeah. what they meant the pianos to. were like not bad every now and again you'd get a guitar like a distorted yeah. guitar that would sound like it but it would be like really short it'll, yeah like, it would be good if you just played one note because <laughs> it was yeah. like and then like when you sort of played notes in quick, quick succession it would just sort of sound really like because it's just a sample that's been put yeah. through so it's like it would just sound ridiculous yeah I the for you listening, like that weird pitching, you can hear it in um, the fifth element when the opera singer sings. Oh, yeah? Because it's literally a MIDI keyboard. Okay. Of, like the of choir like, sound, yeah. Of like her, yeah. Like That's on, all the rage, that stuff opera. now, isn't it? I think people, it's quite sort of kitsch, isn't they it? They love it. Yeah. But they do it really well in the movie, yeah, yeah. but every okay. now and again, you're just like, yep, yeah, he pitch bend that. And he was yeah. definitely on the, woo It's very, yeah. Nice. yeah, super 90s. Yeah. Because in the 90s, it was sort of like, attempting to be cutting edge wasn't it whereas now it's like a sort of kitsch oh it weren't the 90s a funny time like with all these mm. crap synth sounds and yeah people sort of use those on purpose well, I mean I've done do it myself like I've used these sort of Korg prophecy that I that I yeah I was going to say that, that's what you used on Providence which is yeah. <laughs> 2017 and you're using the most overly like complex monosynth yeah. on the planet ridiculous synth really poorly designed so I was trying to, obviously not everyone who listens to this is music, so I, I was trying to think of an analogy for what a Korg Prophecy is, and <laughs> like, it's really hard, because like, 
a synthesizer. You it's just play a, a note and you can twiddle knobs. But this, yeah. this is. It's a, just. It's just like it's a, the sort of epitome of like nineties technology being quite advanced, but just not quite there yet. I feel like they wanted to write bigger numbers hmm. than somebody else. So instead of saying one LFO, uh, an LFO is like a child. On controlling a dimmer switch in your living room. Um, <laughs> instead of saying one LFO, they were like, I oh, know, we'll have four LFOs. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. But the thing with the prophecy, like, the fact it's a monosynth is really strange because the way, the sort of sounds you can get out of it, it feels like it should be a polysynth. Yeah. Because it... it monosynth, quite... one note, polysynth, multiple notes okay. at a time. <laughs> but like... <laughs> but like... Um, it's a monosynth, so it's really, it's just very awkwardly limited. Like, you just feel like you can't do enough with it. But I, I ended up just making loads of tunes with it. That's why I used it. I remember uh, the I, advert for it. Oh, really? Like, computer music or someone, um, uh, when right. it came with a VHS. Wow. Nice. Back then. I'd like to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember it, and it was like, it was, they never mentioned any, they just keep saying the word lead synth. It's a lead yeah, synth. Yeah, it's almost like... They somehow like messed it up and couldn't make it a polysynth. So, oh, let's just spin that let's into something positive. So, it's a monosynth, guys. <laughs> it's going to blow your minds. <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. Like 300 keys. Yeah. Like, yes, but one note. I do remember, it was like really well marketed because I do remember when it came out as well. I think I remember just seeing in like, you know, music gear catalogs at the time. It was like 96 or 97 it came I out. Love I love 90s gear. Yeah. I'm going to show you, after Were the they... podcast, I'm going to show you a photo I, I took in, in Norwich earlier at Cash Converters oh, nice. of something called a Quasi-Midi oh, Revolution yeah. 309. <laughs> I've seen that in... I've seen that in I was just fashion. like, whoa, look at that, Quasi-Midi. They had cool stuff. They had, they had a thing called a Technox. But uh, everything yeah. they made was like, was yes. serious as well? That was one of Maybe. Yeah, one of my Maybe. But they were like properly, we rave. Yeah, we rave revolution 309. <laughs> but I remember seeing like the prophecy. It, was like, it cost like a grand when it came out, mm. which was like so much money. And, it's like, still like two, three hundred quid now. Yeah, I got, I got it for like 200 quid. But like, I think... Um, yeah, they had like there's like Liam Howlett from the Prodigies bigging it up. There's photos of him using it, and you can hear it on yeah. a, on a bunch of Prodigy tunes. Now that I know, like on Firestarter, like the sort of the kind of like break bit where there's this kind of yeah. that sound is just like preset number one when you yeah. turn, <laughs> when you turn the synth on. That's just like preset zero, and you press down a key and it goes. It's like, oh, fuck, that's Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love stuff like. Do you remember yeah. that? Um, do you really like it? Is it is it wicked? Yeah. <laughs> That's like the demo on a. Oh yes, I heard about that. Yeah. Like Equisonics keyboard or something. One of those like non synthy brands. So it's just like just the demo, mate. It's fine. Just rap over that. It'll be right. great. Number one. Boom. I suppose it's it's like it's like sampling, but copyright free, isn't it? Yeah, it's if fine. If it's a demo, there's there's no there's nothing wrong with that. Really, is it? I had a Electribe for years, and there was a. One of the preset patches in there. I was just um, just a really nice chord structure and stuff. And I, I remember taking the MIDI of it, and it's just sat there yeah. in Ableton now for like ten years. Where I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I'm going to find a use for this at some point in my life. But oh, there was some techno tune or something, maybe from like ten years ago. That was yeah, it was like a, it was one of the reactor presets mm. just with a beat under it, like the hot. It, it just the whole song. Yeah, it was yeah. like this sort of synth like an up like the whole it was like a sort of four bar you know 
tune mm. <laughs> they live, which was just a preset thing in Reactor. And I do dig it though. It does. It's, like, fine. it's fine to do it, that. Like. I don't, I don't do that myself, and it, it, it would seem weird. It would seem like a sort of a laugh to do that. Oh, I'm making tune out of that. Demo. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, well, I'm sure those things probably start off as a laugh, but then it's like, oh, actually, this is like pretty good. Actually, we've done well there. It's damn yeah, it. like, <laughs> Liam was in there. Yeah, I'll just whack this bit in. No one will know. So, oh, yeah, it's up all night programming that sound. Oh, yeah, yeah to the ages. <laughs> I've, I did it before though, like because I often use a preset sound to as a launching point. If I need a bass, I'll get yeah, the totally. bass section. And I kind of had to with the prophecy because it's so hard to program. Yeah, I just sort of taking apart presets. But that. I've done it before and then not saved what I've done. Yeah. Come back the next day and like, well, oh, that bass is nice. Oh, it's <laughs> really tight. That's that's not very really me. And then it's like, oh, it's the preset still. Yeah. <laughs> Can't use it. Can't use it. Somebody else can use it. It's something I like about, like, it is a how you use it. Like, painters aren't running around being pissy that, like, oh, Dave's using titanium white. (laughs) Titanium white's my sound. My my colour, mate. You know? Like, yeah, they'll have their preference of paints and stuff, but everyone's going to have to use the same thing eventually. Yeah, it's like if you're a guitarist, it's like... It doesn't mean you're bogus if you, if you didn't make the guitar yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You can buy kits now. <laughs> yeah. Does that, is that make a better guitar than one so. that's professionally made by like experts? <laughs> lad, that lad from Queen, his his guitar yeah. was made out of a toilet sense. seat. That's his dad made him that. That's crazy. His yeah. dad was good at guitars, apparently. <laughs> or maybe guitars well. are easy. Yeah. yeah. There you go, guitarists. Yeah. yeah. I did realise like technology was catching up with me the other day when I got a guitar pedal and it had a USB port and I was like, oh, "Why has it got a USB port?" And it's like, "Oh, you can you can update a guitar pedal." It's like, "That's weird." Wait, your firmware? This is a guitar yeah. pedal, guys. But it's the future now. We're in the future. Everything's online. I find that stuff interesting. Like the amount of things. Um, that require you to be online to use them. Yeah, yeah. Any, it's any. Pretty like, frustrating. I mean, it's quite cool having like like synths now. Just have like a USB port on them rather than MIDI. Way well, you also have MIDI ports, but you can. Yeah. Mostly it's just USB and it's all done. You know, rather than messing about with MIDI cables. But yeah, it is strange. Like, it's like there's nothing is like off the grid. You know, everything's mm. everything's like on this ominously sort of connected and linked and somehow gets back to like Mark Zuckerberg or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Zuckerberg sitting there like, going, oh, what? Nathan Bates using that preset like again. spying on you through your Korg mini-log. <laughs> oh, using the Apex Twin presets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the monologue. Those presets are really nice. Uh, it's not meant that we don't, I don't often talk tech on here, yeah. but they are nice. Um, yeah. For you, like, obviously, the first album... See how we're just going to loop straight back. Yeah. First album, like, the EP's... Watling Street EP, particularly, is quite tough. Yeah. And then the album softens up, becomes yeah. more albumy. Yeah. You know, yeah. less about selling 12 inches, more about... Yeah, like, totally, yeah. You can sit down and listen. But you get tougher again. Yeah. With hard arms. Is that the live thing, doing that? I think, yeah, with... Well, the way it went from like, you know, pre the first album, because they were just sort of like techno twelve inches. 
But then, then like quite straight up as yeah well. and then before the album came out there was the sky was pink single which were the original was on the album and that was kind of like the album was more that kind of like kind of mm. shoegazy kind of pretend live drum sort of thing and obviously that had james's remix on it which was like the club hit mm. and then and then you get booked because of the club hit basically yeah <laughs> i i thought i was getting booked because people were interested in my album but it was just because of james's remix <laughs> but yeah Okay. Somebody else's work. I don't get where I am today by not accepting <laughs> those gigs. <laughs> but yeah, um, but like I, so then I toured the album. So my live set before the album was obviously just like a cup set, mostly sort of techno. Mm. And then the album came out and it was like the live thing, like with Vincent Oliver, well, yeah. and visuals and stuff, which was like this sort of AV thing, very not a club thing. Um, and there were quite a few. I mean that that tour generally went really well you know mm. it was it was it was a dream really i'm thinking look looking back at it, we were sort of quite ahead of our time with i mean vincent was with his visuals and the sort of technical side of it because they were quite it's quite rare doing av shows back then but then there were a few instances on that tour where it was just a club and like they booked me to play in a club me and vincent would turn up and it is literally just like oh yeah you're at 3am and there's like a techno dj before me and yeah. i had to go on and play my sort of pleasant like <laughs> yeah, there were like noisy bits, but because there's like because there was zero four four kicks in it, yeah, no, that just some people would that would either like, well, yeah, it would just be like shit for a lot of people because it would oh, there's no there's no drums in it, yeah, or no no techno drums. Uh, sorry, Nathan, I've just taken my drugs, and yeah. um, <laughs> is this how it's going to go for the next? Hour? It's funny how that that like the four four kick drum is so polarizing because it either like there's there either it's completely like switches people off mm. or people don't want anything but that yeah, yeah. it's such a weird yeah. thing so yeah in a club environment is you're in an environment where people just want four four kick drums so and then hard islands following that came out of just me sort of thinking oh i, I sort of missed playing in clubs you know mm. i sort of missed doing like quite a sort of banging live set because the my one previous to the album was quite a banging set so Hard Islands was born out of me just sort of like coming up with stuff to jam in the live set, really. Yeah. Just bangers. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. How are you finding it, like, now? Like, because you're still doing gigs and stuff. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not, you've not gone away. Obviously, you had a bit of a break. Yeah, um, it was a couple of Before years. the last album. Yeah, yeah. But, like, are you still getting that excitement from standing on a stage totally i still get like really nervous before gigs it's been like you know 15 years or whatever and i still get like still totally shit my pants like mm. I, it starts like the night before like you know say if i'm like traveling the next day like no matter how far away it is do you I'll have the fucked up like... dreams about forgetting something and you're at the airport you've like forgotten your laptop or your passport and you have that panic dream of trying to get it before you miss your flight. I actually haven't, no. All right. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me. This is my life. I've, like, touched wood. I've never, ever, like, forgotten my laptop. And I know people that have. Like, people have Wow. Just, I, and, I, and it would be really easy to do, I think. Because there are times where I think, well, I've, I have just thought, well, I've obviously packed my laptop. Because... Mm. You know, and so I think that's probably what how it happens because you're just like, well, obviously I've packed my laptop, and then you just you just actually have yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There was a me and Pip had used a VST um, called MS Twenty VST yeah. rather than touring an MS Twenty. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it had to have a dongle back then. All oh, right, yeah. 
So it was like a little USB. Still thing. have to have like eye locks for some stuff now. It's so annoying. Yeah. But so I had one on my key ring. I had one tucked into my flight case under the phone. That was yeah. like my super secret spare one. Oh, right. So the yeah. key ring was the show one. There was one in there and then Pip had to have one. So I had three right. keys, all duplicates of each other, just in case. Because yeah. like the whole gig, like yeah. every song had that set on it. It was like, why didn't I just use something different <laughs> that didn't <laughs> involve that? Oh, it's got to sound like the album though. It's got yeah. to. Like, well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, that stuff matters. In the, in the moment, it does. Yeah, I've made loads of those types of decisions mm. where you just you just want that you just want to use that thing that's a pain in the ass to use. But I no, I want this. Yeah, I'm afraid it's, it's fine to do that. Yeah, I did definitely like over touring gravitate towards things I could replace easily. Yeah, like because um, I had a Novation base station keys on stage with me for a while, mm. and it was like if this breaks. That's like two songs that are going to be a pain in the ass to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, if it breaks when I'm in like Dortmund, <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, so like gravitated away for, for that sort of touring thing. Yeah. But at the same time, it was never anything that couldn't be done virtually. Yeah. Thankfully. That's why I, I did a podcast with this guy, Look Mum No Computer, and he tours a massive model, modular. Yeah. But it's all stuff he's made himself yeah, as right. well. So it's not even like he's using... And it's like... Some breaks. It's, well, he's yeah. had gigs where something's broken on stage and then he has a little soldering break. Like <laughs> 10 minutes where wow. he'll repair a panel on stage while just making jokes and <laughs> just like up. shrugging a lot. And the people like it. But oh, right, yeah. I think because he's built... He's, he's a YouTuber first... And they know him as a builder of things. And now he makes bangers. It's like some of that audience are kind of there for that anyway. Which I think is kind of cute that you can just take a little break in mid-set. Let me just uh, fix that LFO. One one (laughs) sec, guys. Anyone got an Allen key? (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be streaming it on Twitch while he's doing it. You could be. (laughs) could be. I'm surprised the live gig streaming thing never took off. Like so many times... You mean the sort of like boiler room type thing? Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I think, well, maybe because boiler room sort of completely had that market covered. True. Else did it. And also it's quite an awkward, I mean, you know, boiler room's like a cool thing. Like they, I think they've done quite a lot of good stuff. I've helped a lot of people. But like, um, especially for artists, I think it's quite an awkward experience. Maybe because it is like... Being watched. Yeah. And sort of having your back to all the crowd. I know there's other ways to do it, you know, if you want to stream a live. Game, yeah, but like, but it, yeah, like even if you're facing the crowd, there's something weird that happens when you know you can be seen. Even yeah. though standing in front of an audience, you can actually look at that audience and see that half of them aren't looking at you yeah. in a weird way. You feel less yeah, vulnerable. No, staring at you. But like a webcam on you, probably above your head, showing yeah. off your bald spot. I did a gig, I was in Amsterdam at a digital festival, I think it was a couple of years ago, where there was sort of like a webcam sort of on the desk next sort of in front of me you know sort of pointing up at it it was like a really terrible angle yeah <laughs> not a great right angle up my double chin and then like also just like well you can't really see I mean sure you can see me <laughs> but like you can see me like much, it's not a fucking sweating yeah it's not much of a spectacle so it was, and then they were like you know crowd shots and, but it was like 
just right there and I couldn't really say well I suppose I could have said no I don't want that there but I, I was too awkward to say stuff like that I would I would usually just put a drink in front of it or whatever <laughs> just like, do something oh I didn't know guys sorry yeah, sorry while you're like walking out and then just pretend just smash it with the hammer <laughs> I, I always, always keep a the hammer, hammer on that's me. part of your life <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit where Pip gets the hammer it's on the right <laughs> yeah we want a four, uh, 14 pound lump hammer on stage <laughs> at all times the touring thing, how is it? Because you're on your own 90% of the time. Yeah. Are you not someone yeah. who really requires a tour manager or anything yeah. like that? I do actually have a tour manager now. But only, do you? Only since, the, like, well, since last year, yeah. I've been working with him for about a year now. Yeah. Not, how are you finding it? It's really good. It's good, I mean, isn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just for like sort of more long distance things, it's really good to have someone with you. Mm. Because, I mean, I suppose when, yeah, like, if you were touring with, with Pip, you'd, you'd always be... We're big. always together. Yeah. So, you've always, even if you've, like, fallen out, at least there's, like, you'll, you'll make up and it'll be fine, you know, like... What is... Like, know. yeah, you go into a country you've never been to before, yeah. you just have, like, something familiar next yeah, to you. Yeah. Like, Pip was my blankie for a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know I'm safe because this other person here is still alive. So... And I, I'm, I'm the kind of person, like, when I'm on tour, I, I don't... Or, well, or just in everyday life, I don't really like doing stuff on my own. Like, I live on my own, and I love that. But I, I never, like, some people go to the pub on their own, or, like, go to a cafe on their own, or a restaurant on their own. Pip goes to the cinema on his own yeah, all the time. Yeah, that, uh, that, that doesn't appeal to me at all. I mean, yeah, I, I wish it did, because it means yeah. I'd probably do more stuff. Yeah. But, like, so when I'm on tour, like, so say if I'm, like, abroad in a foreign city, which is, a, which is an amazingly lucky thing that I that's what I do for a job I get flown places and but I if I'm on my own I, I'm just kind of I kind of like feel a bit shy and I just, I just don't do anything I just like mm. hang out in the hotel room which is also nice but it could be anywhere but when I the first gig I had when I was started working with my tour manager we went to Georgia to Tbilisi in Georgia mm. and I had been there before I mean the first time I played there was an incredibly flying visit I literally played flew in yeah flew in played and flew out again yeah and it's like it's, it's not that far away, but it's hard. There's no direct flights there from London or the UK in general, so it takes like ages to get there. But I went there with him, and like we had an amazing time. We just like walked around Tbilisi. Mm. I would have never done that on my own. Yeah, yeah. Like it was amazing. Yeah, we like <clears throat> went to this bar at three a.m. and met all these people that you know. It was just like a local bar. But like all these, all these Georgian guys that spoke English, I was like, wow, everyone speaks English. Here. That's insane. <laughs> like, because we thought oh, I was probably going to be a bit weird, but you know, like no one speaks English. But everyone, everyone spoke English. Everyone yeah. was like super chill and like, yeah, it was mad. I never would have expected that. I mean, it's a, it's a really nice city, but like, I suppose it's got that kind of like bit, a bit of it's got that sort of like ex-Soviet vibe, and it's like I thought, oh, I don't know whether people are friendly here or not. Or, yeah, obviously, <laughs> you should make the assumption. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Um, this this architecture looks a bit brutalist. Uh, I'm wondering if these people are going to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm sure they're nice, but like... When, oh, look at those like, angles. Used, used that woman foreigners. scares me. Yeah. <laughs> Tour managers is, it must be a weird job. Yeah, I Because part of your job is just to do somebody else's... Get somebody's admin out of the way. Like, book their flights and yeah. deal with that crap. But then part of it is, like, you're a tour buddy. Yeah, totally. I think it's quite, you know... Like the margin of how what a tour manager actually does is quite broad. Mm. They could organise all the travel, or they it is literally just like 
the artist might just not absolutely not want to tour on their own. Mm. You know, because if they were, if it means they're going to play a much better show if they've got like a mate with them, and they're yeah, couple, then that's probably worth it. I, you know? I did see one DJ many times at festivals. I'm not going to name him, but um, his tour manager used to just stand next to him while he DJ'd. Yeah, and they would chat, <laughs> and it was like I got it. I did do get it. It's just nice, but it just felt really weird because he yeah. he wasn't like the most on stage looking tour yeah. manager you know he didn't look right where he was there. like we're in a <laughs> rave and there's just he's almost just like a guy in a bow tie <laughs> basically just on stage just chilling doing some texts but tour managers are quite I mean sometimes they are like super industry types but a lot of sometimes they're not at all like mm. they're not, they don't give a flying fuck about the music like my tour manager Ed like he he like he, he's like keen like he, he's like interested in the sort of like you know, seeing gigs and that, but like, mm. he doesn't, he doesn't know if some, sometimes people say, oh yeah, so we've booked so-and-so for next month. And he's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Isn't that, yeah, like, it's like, it's fine. I kind of ended See, it. Because to, he could just be that, well, I don't know what that is because I don't, it's not my area. But like, that's the I, thing I, I have to pretend to know who everyone is. <laughs> so, oh yeah, Wicked, yeah, you booked him. Yeah, cool. The electronic music scene, definitely, because obviously me and Pip floated between scenes you know yeah. we got booked on rock gigs and all that but like the weird thing with electronic promoters that some of them want to just prove they're like legit by naming some really obscure thing yeah. oh yeah we've we've booked so and so and it's like I don't know who that is yeah, and, yeah. but you don't want to like shoot them down by going yeah no not a clue mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry what yeah, totally. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we've booked this obscure guy. He only plays off locked groove vinyl <laughs> through dub delays. He only plays one locked groove record for seven <laughs> hours. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's something I, I suppose like it's no different in indie with like when it was math rock and all that. Yeah, they're mm. math rock. It's like yeah. I remember when Foles were a math rock band. Is that the same thing like, happens with electronic? Like the same music just stays there. Like, like with like sort of club music, sort of house and techno. I feel like, yeah, there are like new kind of innovations in some, with some artists, they'll do something quite visionary with it. But like generally there's that kind of like middle ground club music sort of, you know, techno house-ish stuff. It's yeah. the same thing since, you know, maybe the mid nineties and it was called like progressive house in the late nineties. Yeah. Then it, and then it, and then it became like minimal techno. But you know, it wasn't min- fucking minimal techno. We didn't. It just it was just made by a different, maybe a different bunch of people. Instead of being made by sort of like <laughs> British kind of like guys in shirts, like it was. Yeah. Progressive trance, or whatever. It was like German people in Germany, or people trying to sound like German stuff. And then it, which that original minimal techno stuff was really really cool. I used to really like that stuff. And then, it, but then it sort of got like ironed out into this sort of really like edgeless kind of. Um, a melodic or not even just just like completely sort of anodyne club music, mm. and 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 that, now that's called deep house or something. <laughs> it's just made by a new generation of people on slightly different gear. But yeah. doing, it, it's like the same fucking music, like exactly the same. Like having worked as a vinyl buyer in a HMV, I hated <laughs> the genre. Yeah. Man. Like house. people would come in and they'd be deep asking, house. like, "Have you got any like tribal progressive techno?" <laughs> it's like, that's so no- that's so, so like late nineties. I know tribal. And it's that tribal what? house made by white people in New York. Yeah, yeah, very much so, <laughs> like, very much so, and danced to by white people. In New York. <laughs> But like, 
like, yeah, and it's just like, well, now what, what are you saying? What words are you saying to me? Give me an artist or a record label yeah. and I can get you that. I can help you there, but I can't, I don't speak the same sort language of, as you. Yeah, it's all sort of part, I mean, the sort of names of the genres are all sort of part of the aesthetic, aren't they, almost? Like, people like to just sort of... And I do think that sometimes having, like, well, you know, I like disco, not disco. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, having that uh, thing that separates you is something we do. Yeah. Like, we, we have our little in-group, our little kind of cultivated identity. Yeah, I'm a skater, I'm a vegan, yeah. I'm a whatever. Yeah. But in <laughs> in dance music particularly, it's really yeah. niche. And there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of sort of really needless. One thing I find interesting is, like, there's the sort of psytrance, which does like... Like infected mushroom or... or yeah, like it's not a scene I've ever been familiar with, but I've played one or two events where they've been basically psytrance festivals mm. that... Doesn't really. I mean, I'm sure there are events, but doesn't really seem to exist in Western Europe on a in a sort of noticeable way. But like I'm Eastern sure Europe, it's like massive. That's what I mean. Like, so I, I played in Romania, mm. a festival there. Uh, it was mostly it was mostly a side trance, and I played one in Norway as well. Mm. So the lineup was just like I think those. It was a bit like Glade used to be a sort of side trance. Yeah, thing, it used to it? be like its special little. It was mostly side trance with a couple cubby. of like they'd have like Richie Horton, you know. Mm. Just, a couple of sort of main or like non yeah, yeah. scene because it's just it's so seen so so yeah my point is like I played a couple of these fe- sort of side trance festivals I, I just didn't have a clue any of the artists were mm. they're all sort of I guess they're sort of local but also like really sceny sort of side trance um, but like the people that you know run the festival were like oh yeah these guys are amazing and they also like you know my music and, and Things that I'd heard, you know, yeah. in my sort of sphere that I, you know, oh yeah, I like them as well, you know. But like, and, and they're like, oh yeah, it's quite sort of intense, you know, side trance. And they have all, all like, the, there's just so many sub-genres. And they, yeah. like, like, like hundreds. And then all of it is just sort of, it. it's just like really straight up. Again, that's all middle like ground dance music. The same. It's like, well, this isn't, this is just like, yeah, you know, that's like not, Psychedelic in any it, way or shape. It's or. like the thing. The thing that makes it sidetrack to know is that it'll be like a simple beat with no kind of actual music going on, but like a sort of one note bass line. And what they tend to do is like put like really long dialogue samples, you know, like like a, like a sampled <laughs> speech that's like four minutes long, and it'll just be plonked on top of it, literally just <laughs> just nothing. Yeah, there we go. That's that's that's, that's some sidetrack. <laughs> Press. Let's make it side trance. Yeah, have you got that really long Nixon speech? Yeah, that was something that was really like really common. Like, and all all the music I heard at these festivals was just that kind of thing. And and with a lot of sort of whooshes and splats, you know, like there was needless this sort of weird decoration. phase that like house went through where it decided that every um, vocal had to be a girl talking about getting fucked. Yeah, and it was just like the, it was so creepy. Like French kiss sort of vibe. Yeah, but it was always like. Something kind of cool about French Kiss, isn't there? That's sort of like a one-off, but yeah, and I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah, because, like, but like French Kiss doesn't kind of go too far in a way. Yeah. Well, it does, but you know what I mean. Whereas this is like almost grotesquely explicit and the amount of those records that were coming through HMV. Really? Like, I don't think I've heard like, many of Why? Why are we talking? Like, <laughs> but it was... You knew it was dudes producing those records as well. Of course, yeah. You, really you kn- there was never a lady involved in that. You could tell by the way it was written that, like, super creepy. Yeah, like, oh, can you re- yeah, read this out? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just read this. Like, it's really great. Ah. 
<laughs> I suppose that that weird music weird. It is weird that we can out of those yeah. twelve notes out of that limited. We can make so much. And it's, it's what people choose to to do with, like you know, using music as a platform for like getting a girl to sort of read out. <laughs> some sort of really slutty yeah. lyrics some guy has written you know like <laughs> it's yeah. like a platform to be like a horrible creep or yeah or all the other things that music are so, yeah, but you can also use weird. it to express like pain and emotion and yeah. all that stuff it's primal thing it's I don't fully understand it oh, I'm never gonna but like where those emotions come from how <clears> someone <throat> like there's this song soul singer Lorraine Ellison and she wrote a song. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know if she wrote it. She sang a song called Stay With Me. And uh, it's tear-jerking, painful, yeah. painful song. Just beautiful. Duffy, this Liverpudlian singer, covered it. Yeah. It's atrocious. Right. Yet, there's no difference. Like, <laughs> there's the very little difference in the production. It's similar piano and all okay. this. And just Duffy's voice. And Lorena's... Like, it's like one... Is remembering the emotion, yeah. and one is really, describing it really almost, and it's like it's really odd how that bit of your soul comes through in yeah. this intangible way through a voice crack or whatever. Yeah, for sure. But how do you do that when it comes to electronic music? Because it's the machine. Yeah, well, there's an awful lot. There's, a, I suppose, an awful lot of it is. Uh, Supposed, isn't it really? Because mm. the the artist can pour their soul in, you know, like an instrumental piece. But like, um, how another person perceives that is like completely out of your control. Yeah, I suppose electronic music has that. I mean, problem. you can have music that has words as well. I mean, no one's going to hear it in exactly the same way mm. as the listener intended it. Well, they might do, but but it's very know. much death of the author like what as soon as you yeah, hit totally. press on that vinyl it completely gets completely disembodied from you know your I suppose they're like a, a person and their art are like very much you know two separate things mm. and like I, I feel that more now that I've like you know fortunate enough to have a career that's lasted 15 years or 16 years so hearing that stuff that I released 16 years ago or even sort of in between bits that yeah because obviously I remember the, the really early stuff because it's more of a landmark but like, yeah the sort of in between bits like, oh, I remember I did that remix and it is it's super it's like I made that and it's sort of I can't really connect with it anymore you know it's like it, mm. it's so weird how your work is so separate from you because I mean yeah it's, it's a combination of things like you know it's a recording of sound that you made on equipment so it's not 100% like you <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. you doing stuff with some some instruments that already existed, you know. <laughs> so it's just interesting to hear like what you what I did with that back then, and how it's like I don't really relate to it now. Mm. But yeah, so I mean, people might hear things in instrumental music that's completely of their own fabrication because it is just noughts and ones. And, and I suppose it is a, like a context thing in in your the way you hear it when you hear it that. Uh, where you are when like if we heard I don't know Firestarter for the first time in this kitchen right now it's yeah. probably something different to yeah I, I have like really nostalgic connections with you know a lot of music and I know and I realise that it's not the music itself that's mm. like, oh, it's just it, I associate it with a time yeah you know, like when I was a teenager or you know you, you just sort of it puts you in that place but that's not you know the 
the band or the artist that made that wasn't putting that in there when they wrote the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just something that my own brain is connected with it. So you have like zero control over what how people, you know, yeah. just consume it. Or I just I always just wish Keith had, had normal hair. <laughs> the amount of times I had to look kind at people did. having his his Firestarter hair. You look at the old Prodigy where he just sort of had like when he just kind of had long hair. Floppy blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I remember when he was like Poison. Or no, it was, it was like the music, music of the generation yeah. back cover had like photos of them on the back. I bet actually all their albums had pictures of them on the back, didn't they? I remember Project Experience, they're like... I always thought that was kind of nice because it was yeah. like, oh, it's, like, oh, it's, more than, it's more than that. Yeah, I remember like, I, I just, I thought, yeah, when I was like a kid and I bought that album, I was like, oh, that's what they look like, cool. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you didn't get that with like dance music, it was like... This sort of completely faceless noise. Yeah, it was always like some fractal shape on the, yeah. the cover in Dave Lowe co- colours. Yeah, Keith just had like, he had like sort of long kind Floppy of brown. Hair. It was just, but then he, then he had his Keith Flint haircut and yeah, then I had to look around. at it. People kept walking past me with that hair and it's like, you're not Keith Flint, mate. Yeah. You know, don't copy Keith. Cringe. He's the fire starter. That's, yeah. It's very risky. <laughs> he, might, he might take his revenge on you by starting <laughs> a fire. Unless you need him to start a fire. <laughs> like, he doesn't say it in the song, but he's actually like, he just pops around people's houses when they're having trouble with their barbecue <laughs> or whatever. He, he did it for years after that. It's just like, do you need a fire? Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll help you. He's got a sack of fire lighters with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, well, can I have one of the burgers, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, get in, Keith. Have some salad with it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, God rest his soul. <laughs> Yeah, that, that messed me up that day. That um, yeah, horrible. Because I was driving up to uh, the north mm-hmm. uh, to do a podcast with a guy called Syriac. Oh, oh right, crazy, crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. I like his his artwork. Yeah, but I was like, mad gifts. He he was one that I had no clue of, no real understanding of who he was as a person. Right. Like, yeah. Like because it's it's mostly his work, and he's in his work, but. Really, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, like, literally just before I left the house, like, I heard the news, and then it just made me, like, that's all I thought about for the whole journey. It was, like, a good four-hour drive, and it was... Yeah, it was really, really shocking. And you have that weird, like, you're trying to... You're doing that, oh, silly, silly. You're, you know, you have that kind of trying to not emotionally engage with it yeah. thing. But when you're just driving up a motorway... Yeah. It's kind of hard to shut it out, but... Bounce around your head. What it made me think about was all the fun that I'd had because of his existence. Yeah. Like, like silly stuff. Like I never knew the man. I never met him. Um, I've got, got the same accountant. As him. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. So we're associated. Almost. We've we've <laughs> we've probably stood in the same same building at separate times. So we we were close. Uh, both from Essex. Both from Essex. Yeah, I was yeah. born in Braintree. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Oh, so nice. yeah, we were best mates. Oh, cool. No, but like, I had no connection to him other than through not even through his music, through this group of people's music. Yeah. But it made me think about like me and my sh- cousin Sharon dancing in a kitchen to Firestarter when we were like 20 or whatever yeah. and taking uh, a lot of coffees a lot of those coffees the strong coffees <laughs> the feel good coffees but like you know, just it was weird how they weren't a band that I was ever like buy the t-shirt for yet 
threaded through like loads of occasions in my life. I have like really vividly good memories associated to them. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was actually kind of nice because I think maybe other people have that with like big pop bands as such. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's going to be people who have Ed Sheeran mar- marking yeah. points in their life right now. And it was just nice that like my markers were them and yeah, of attack. Yeah, same. I, like I said, you know, I had, I was literally like a kid and I was like buying their albums and mm. stuff. I suppose like from that whole kind of like 90s sort of breakbeat rave scene, they were like the only ones that sort of like became a household name, at, you know, mm. world fame. Yeah, they were like, they are like, they're massive, like they're like huge. We used stuff. to go to a night uh, at the Bullseye. I think we just called it the Bullseye. I don't actually know what the night was called, but it was yeah. just the Bullseye. Where was that in, in Essex? Basildon, okay. Essex. And um, I'll make stew. There was always a bit where you'd get a bit of Chemical Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might get Underworld Born Slippy in there. <laughs> you might get Josh Wink, High State of Consciousness. Nice. And But this was like an indie night for the main. Yeah. And so there that's were, how Radio 1 was at the time. It was like basically, indie, but yeah. then some dance, some stuff. Like that. Like, uh, yeah, Born Slippy was like the sort of token dance track yeah. amongst the indie stuff, wasn't it? Uh, but, but then you get the Prodigy. Yeah. And that would be the bit where the metalers would suddenly, oh, I'm getting back on the dance floor now. Yeah. You know, it'd be that weird. Well, like, like, Come to Daddy by Aphex Twin. That's that like one. the one that like, I remember I was at yeah, college in Reading, like quite a few people on the course like, oh yeah, I don't really like electronic music, but I like Aphex Twin, meaning they like Come to Daddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh yeah, well, do you like to select Lambing Works too? Do you? And they're like, no, no, I like, I like uh, Come to Daddy. I was like, oh, okay. I'll like that. It's so, it so weird though, <laughs> yeah. like that, like how one band can be Oh, or that one thing. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I used to, I was that guy when I was a kid, kid. I used to like Iron Maiden, but I didn't yeah. like Iron Maiden. I liked the t-shirts. <laughs> I really liked Iron Maiden t-shirts. I did not like Iron Maiden's music. I mean, as far as Iron Maiden are concerned, that's the same as liking... For them, yeah. <laughs> when I was 12, you rarely found me out of an Iron Maiden t-shirt or my WWF. Before it was WWE... Uh, Undertaker t-shirt. I like oh, yeah. the under- and Undertaker was the one for me. You know, he was the one. If this is, if this is a good t-shirt, or wear it. You got it. As long as it doesn't have like a swastika or UKIP on it or something, then you got to wear the it. Same thing, innit? <laughs> hey, fucking UKIP, Nigel, you know it. BP. Yeah. Oh, the BP. It's a mess, man. Is that like you have no clue how that's going to affect you for touring and stuff? Yeah, it's going to affect people negatively who, yeah. do, who do this line of work, yeah. It's going to be paperwork. If it happens, which, you know, we've, all, we've always got that to hang on to, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's but like, let's have another delay after then. I feel like we'll probably be in this sort of limbo situation for quite a long time, which kind of sucks, but at least it means we're still in the EU while that's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. we won't just stay in the EU, like, but like, we are leaving, but, you know, not yet. There might be in, in that. Something I can't remember which book time. it is, but they are currently taking odds on when we rejoin if we do leave. <laughs> you know, and obviously it's still it would be like twenty years or whatever. But it's just interesting because bookies yeah. know stuff. That's their job to predict the future, yeah, yeah. essentially. And I'm not saying they're right, but I just find it interesting that it's like this is if you are twenty years old today. The next 30 years of your life are just going to be talking about Brexit. Yeah, totally. That's fucking crazy. Most people that voted for Brexit are going to be dead <laughs> by the I time know. that happens. <laughs> so, like. 
I, did, I actually, me and my dad got a bit heated with the other day about it the other day and he, he was doing his oh Boris is going to get it done and I did just I got got to the point where I was just I'm tired he pro-Brexit is he or he, yeah well after the referendum he said he voted Remain but he lied oh wow uh, but yeah he's been very he's on Facebook a lot more the last year or so he's got Facebook on his phone and he's definitely swinging but I did say well, what's it matter to you you're going to be dead anyway <laughs> and I felt really bad but I was like I needed to say that. Sorry, Dad. And if you're, this is the one you first choose to listen to, Dad. Yes, no, <laughs> you're going to be dead. The thing it's with fine. like, I think quite a lot of people that did vote for Brexit did it because they don't like foreigners. And but all these people live in places where there are no foreigners. <laughs> they live in like What's villages in so rural England. <laughs> where Farage ran in that election around that time, where he was trying to become an MP, is Thanet, which is Margate basically, yeah, yeah. which has one central. of the but has one of the lowest ratios of British people to uh, immigrants. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what? The bit of the, you're trying to get in in the bit that's least affected by all the bullshit you're talking exactly. about. Yeah, it's but, just the idea of it all, isn't it? People just don't like the idea I, of foreign people. Yeah. It's just like horribly depressing. Like, I've still yeah. not found someone who, who, like, voted for Brexit fully understanding it. I don't. I, I don't know a single person that voted, voted leave. Yeah, but that just goes to show like the whole. Thing, I'm Essex, you know? mate. I'm Essex. <laughs> like, I'm well, I think, yeah, Norfolk's a funny one because we're in Norwich now. Norwich itself is really liberal. I think eighty yeah. percent of Norwich voted r- remain. Yeah, but it was it's kind of quite fractal because it, but then yeah because the rest of Norfolk, and like yeah just England. Yeah, it was outside voted, of like, like metropolitan centres. Yeah, so it's like leave. so England, like probably most of London, probably voted remain. Not everyone, some people voted, mm. but like, but yeah, it's like urban centres. People generally, that's, that's generally how it goes. It like so more more liberal people tend to live in cities and, but like because my my parents, for example, they they've born and grown up in rural Norfolk. You know, lived in, lived in rural Norfolk their whole lives. Both vote, voted remain. I, I live down the rural. Oxford Road in Reading, so I'm I'm surrounded by different people of different cultures. Yeah, not just skin coloured like like white ones that clearly aren't English. <laughs> but, yeah. but I, you know what I mean? like I and I know that me being around all these different people means that it's far easier for me to see myself in them. Yeah, you know, like okay, this guy, yeah, he's he's got. A different he's wearing a strange hat on his head oh but i see him enough times it's like oh it's dave you know it's like barry all right barry yeah we got to yeah it's barry, oh, nice. barry from moldova barry from moldova isn't it? but you know what i mean it's like i just think that we are all just humans like there's no i, I genuinely don't think we're that different like everyone just wants not, to yeah. like what eat and fuck maybe yeah. sleep like at the ultimate, that that's pretty much. What... And listen to music, because like what oh, I've seen from going, they have to. <laughs> yeah. What I've seen from like playing, people sort of sometimes ask me like, oh, you know, where's like the best place to play? Like, what's the best? Where's the best crowd? And it's like, they kind of is. They're all the same. Mm. Like obviously cultures are, London are different, shit, though, right? <laughs> London and Paris are both amazing. <laughs> I think every country or city has its. Amazing bits and shit bits, I, but like, but what I, what I mean is like, you know, because like, oh, you know, what was like the what country has like the best crowd, and it's like, yeah, like countries are 
people are different in different cultures and countries and linguistically and stuff. But like the way people react to music, just the, the human, one human to another human, there's like no difference. People, yeah. people are just people. You know, someone from like, you know, Africa talk to someone from like Canada and they're just two humans having a conversation. If you know, yeah. they can speak the same language. But like, you know, so there's, I find that people just react to me and maybe it's because my music is instrumental or the club environment is generally the same sort of vibe wherever you go. Yeah. But that's that's the, that's the sign of how it is, just doesn't matter, you know. People well, this thing as well, like, you go... Okay, so my newsagent is Indian, <clears> and he <throat> watches loads of Indian TV in the shop. And uh, there's a pop programme he watches. Yeah. And it, what fascinates me is how similar Indian pop is to American pop. Like... I think it's globally, it's all quite similar stuff, isn't but it? But, like, this is not marketed outside in India. It's yeah. very specific. So it doesn't have to try to sell itself. It's just that mate, there are some core things that are genuinely popular yeah. in, in terms of te- uh, tempo and feel. Now, yeah. obviously, there's still some um, like vocal style in there and some instrument choices that make it feel Indian to us. Yeah. But it's... The core of that 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 basic ingredients is yeah. the same. And now, yeah, obviously, traditional music is going to be very different to traditional German music or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but we've kind of gravitated towards there are we've perfected something. Yeah, you know, and everywhere in the world are going to dig that same thing. I was find it quite interesting, like <clears throat> Mr. Travel around Europe, like um, it's obviously you, know, you have like big pop stars and stuff. But then obviously you get you get pop stars that are massive just in their home country sort of mm. thing because that might be for like language reasons maybe or it's just yeah. you know but like I think it's interesting sometimes you see how some like like for instance like Italy like Italy will have like a bunch like really huge pop stars mm. in Italy that probably sing in Italian you know therefore they're not really going to sell out so I mean yeah, yeah, they're yeah sell nothing, but they're going to not going to be huge. but you oh, but then you get the thing where people um like a lot of it is in english as well like i've been in like russia or something like that and you'll there'll be like some pop music on the radio that's all in english but you can tell they're not it's not an english song you know? one thing I, I there was a song by a a german mc called peter fox and uh i think it was called uber it wasn't Uber Alice because that's that Uber thing. <laughs> but it was it was something yeah overall or, or something along those lines. Um, sorry to interrupt Dan in post, but um, it's Alice New by Peter Fox. Anyway, I'll I'll let you carry on listening. And then um, it's the strings part, drum pan, vocal pattern of uh, Plan B's. Ill manners. Oh yeah, same song. Happens quite a lot, doesn't it? So, yeah. Like almost, almost identical. Like oh. slight shifts. And what I wonder with stuff like that is, that's definitely that's in German, that's in English. Like, yeah. there's probably a songwriter somewhere there who's sold it to that guy. And it's then a, it's like a my lovely horse scenario. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time. It must happen like all the time. Yeah, but like, cause, cause, well, it's in German, so we're never going to hear it over here. And yeah, yet the the snobbish bit of me is like, well, that one came out first. The German one's better because it's the one that came out first. It's like, how is that? How is that a thing? Like, I understand the Plan B one. Was it Plan B? It was, wasn't it? I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know that one. I think that, that I think the reason why I mentioned Italy is I remember there's like someone 
showed me it's like, a, like an Italian pop song that it's just creep by Radio. <laughs> <laughs> like, in it, it's like in Italian and sort of badly, you know, quite. It's a bit like that. Have you seen that sort of speak the Hungarian rapper thing that's a bit like, do you know what I mean? No. Where it's like stop the war. Where it's kind of like, is this like, you know, serious Hungarian pop? Yeah. It's in English, but it's like Hungarian rap thing. Mm. Um, it's all white, you know, there's like sort of four white Hungarian guys doing this rap song. And it is the... Um, uh, you know the Biggie Smalls uh, tribute, like oh, with the police sample. Every sample. breath you take. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a rip off. It's like a general MIDI version of that, <laughs> which is a, a sample in the first place, and just this like really sort of empty, like pathetic sort of anti, like a really sort of like disingenuous sort of yeah. anti-war thing. It's like clearly just sort of trying to cash in. Hip-hop fascinates me. <laughs> like how samples get reused and handed round and like you, there are there are certain beats that it's accepted if you use it and somebody else uses it, they have not stolen from you because it's like yeah. that good. The yeah. sample is that good that everyone should be allowed to put it on their mixtape. Like sort the of thing. break, yeah. We, have so many yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's odd that because like in pop music, as soon as like three notes are the same, people are very, yeah. you stole that from me. Yeah. Me and Pip had it with like a Sugar Babe song. Oh, really? That they, there's a melody in there that's a bit like Beat Them My Heart Skipped, right? And, and mm. I think because they sing it like, it's the bomb bomb bit that I sing. And they sing non-words at that point. Yeah. So I, but I didn't care. Pip didn't care. It wasn't like... I didn't think in my head, oh, they heard that and stole yeah. it from There's us. There's no way you can prove... Like, it could be a coincidence. Yeah, it could There's easily be. no way be. you can prove that it isn't. But the internet... Like, <clears throat> like literally tens of people, tens of people going, <laughs> they stole it! Like, I'm like, atting them and, and atting <clears throat> their label, you thieves! And I'm just wow. like, what? This just... There's 12 notes and you can't play yeah. all them at the same time so just chill <laughs> it's, your, it's the sugar babes anyway if yeah I mean if you notice something like that and now you've got the internet you can just go online and rant about it so. I don't think any of the good sugar babes were left at that point as well <laughs> so why would I care if it had been mucher I'd have been in there yeah they've reformed okay. anyway nice. <laughs> before yeah. I go on a long rant about but, the sugar it, babes it's, yeah it's like a weird thing where you know it could be a coincidence and you can't really prove that it isn't there's a, I think it's Pearl Jam. There's a, like a recent Pearl mm. Jam song. I think it's Pearl Do Jam. Do they have recent songs? I've lo- I lost track of them in yeah. 1999. I mean, someone played it to me and it's like really, I mean, it's the chorus of this Pearl Jam song. Mm. If it is them, I can't remember who it is. Is um, exactly the same as my track, Grandfathered. Oh, okay. It's just like the same chorus. I think the same they beat, The same tempo. It just, it's just like, and then it's got like, yeah. Eddie Vedder the singer, Eddie Vedder singing over it yeah but then the verse is something different but it's the it's like the same beat no way like exactly the same chords like and it it's not the most like novel chord sequence and drum beat but still so, it's the combination of the two yeah so you chose that chord sequence and then chose that drum beat yeah. Maybe they stole it. I know. I mean, I, that, I don't. I really don't care if they did, because that's amazing if they I did. I care. I care. <laughs> I think that's just... I'm going to... I'm power jam of like, oh, this Nathan fake. I'm like, we might nick one of I'm going to spend the next like, 10 years building this podcast to a level where I can get Eddie Vedder on. <laughs> I'm going to sit him down. We're going to have 45 minutes oh, of a delightful know. chat. And then... I just want to play you something. <laughs> and I'm going to A-B it. Yeah. 
thieves! <laughs> and then walk away. It's a different snare. <laughs> we made that snare ourselves. Pearl Jam played like in Southend, which is like one town over from me, uh, yeah. at a venue called the Esplanade. And if you meet someone my age from Essex and say to them, did you see Pearl Jam at the Esplanade? 50% of them will say yes. Yeah. It's a 200 cap venue. There yeah. is no way there were 20,000 people in there. <laughs> but I do not know someone who doesn't claim to have been there. So <laughs> I, can't, I want it yeah, to be yeah. that. It would be amazing. Oh yeah, I wasn't at the gig. But uh, yeah, they stole my mate Nathan's core <laughs> structure. So fuck you. Yeah. Um, so what are you working on at the moment? Uh, might as well get a little sort of ish plug in. <clears throat> kind of. I just finished working on an album. Which is... So you went five years, nothing, then album, and then EP. Yeah, it was... Yeah, before Providence, there was... It was, it was a... Oh, man, yeah, so Steam Days was the last album before Providence, and then, yeah, that was 2012, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah. I did, like, an EP, or two... I did an EP in between Steam Days and Providence. Was that the Cambria Instruments? Yeah, yeah. Like your label? Yeah, so I did like a split with my friend Wesley, who I founded the label with. And then I did a solo EP. They were in 2014, maybe. So yeah, and then 2017, Providence. Yeah. Mm. And then... But then all of a sudden, like Providence, Providence remixes... Yeah, there's Does that a few, count there's as... a few remixes and then there's a Sunday EP that came out. Like a year later. After, yeah. And now another album. Yeah. So I'm really happy with it. It's not I think it's finished. Yeah, I haven't got a name for it yet, but I've been working on it for the last year or so. Yeah. It's basically ready to go. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. What um are you following the path you kind of set yourself on with Providence? That more it's um, quite different to Providence, I think. Yeah, it's like Providence was sort of um, I very purposefully made an album that didn't have any sort of dance music on it, even though you can dance to it. Yeah, because it's all rhythmic and you know, mate. <laughs> there's, there's, drums. Pe- there's people on TikTok right now dancing to angry voicemails from their exes. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hilarious, but harrowing. Yeah. Carry on, but like. Um, that was sort of quite like consciously not a sort of club music record. Whereas I think with this album, the new one, I've sort of, I didn't really have much of a sort of brief for it, but it's turned out into the sort of, it's kind of like my ideal version of like a rave, basically. It's like, (laughs) that's the music I want to hear. So shoegaze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shoegaze days are long ago. I still listen to my Vogue Valentine now and then. But no, it's like, it's sort of quite dreamy, fuzzy techno, really. It's nothing, not a huge mm. departure from what I've done in the past. But like, I think it's, I think it's like, yeah, it sort of feels like a bit like my magnum opus at the moment because it's quite an epic album. Yeah. It's quite sort of widescreen. And, I mean, Providence was pretty widescreen, but Providence is very sort of sharp and clean, I think, for the most part. And this one's a bit more fuzzy and, yeah. A bit more kind of like blurred or something. I don't know. It's like kind of like MDMA sort of rave vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's it's got to be nice to, A, still be doing it and like people actually want you to be doing I it. Know, yeah. You know. It's amazing. <laughs> but to still, it sounds like you still feel like you're feeling 
out the space as such. Like there's this yeah. there's this area that is Nathan Fake, and you're still wandering around in it, it's going sort of. It's oh, always no way. In, yeah. oh, this fuzzy stuff as well. Okay, it's always in flux. I think because the world is it's sort of, I think when you're younger, it's easier to stay in step with the world, like it, stuff like music and trends mm. and stuff. You know, I think you do. I think people generally, unless they make a real like like hard effort to stay in touch with trends people generally care less about stuff like that as they get older mm. so now I'm like in my mid 30s I'm still like yeah, I'm still young but like it's not the same as when I, when I was 20 I felt completely plugged into stuff I, this is still a lot of stuff I didn't know but like I think we faked it when we didn't know then though I yeah, think maybe totally. we're more willing now to just say I don't fucking totally. know what yeah, that so is maybe that's the difference yeah yeah but like um, you know now I I think like I'm still I still very much sort of do my own thing yeah like I am just sort of feeling out my own space as you said but like um, I, I I think about five years ago I would have been like yeah I don't care what's happening in the rest of the world of music or whatever but now I'm like I think it's really good to keep an ear to mm. the ground like I, I do really enjoy I'm not like totally on the pulse but like I do enjoy sort of keeping an eye on what, what goes on in the world of music and yeah it's interesting how not a lot has changed mm. in the last um it's it's just the aesthetic changes i think more than the music itself and like the way it's well you know produced and consumed obviously you know, it's there's an added sort of i think social media has added us so much stuff you know whether it's good or bad is I, yeah i think the thing with like, social media for me is that i get overwhelmed by the amount of stuff yeah so obviously you did providence on ninja yeah and i want to keep up with ninja they're a label that are important to me yeah they're a label that means something to me and like the end tone stuff from way back when the like proper left field ninja stuff yeah i even their website i'm the old end tone website i was a fan of yeah i think if you look at highres.net the company's website now there's probably an archive of the Uh, end tone website but like it's just meaningful to me and then that totally. led me to big dada and that led me to yeah. all of hip-hop you know yeah, yeah. and uh like i want to keep up but i haven't got time yeah. maybe i have got time but maybe it's just because i fell in love with them but then i've picked up other things to love along yeah. the way and now at this moment in time if i open twitter there's going to be 10 people telling me about their new album yeah. that i've got to listen to and it's just exponentially like more People. I mean, even a label like Ninja that would just keep obviously keep growing, you know. Mm. So they're going to get to a point where they're releasing so much stuff that you just can't keep. They're releasing a, a dub pedal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've still not What's got that? around to watching the trailer for that. That looks it's going to be great. Cold Cut nice. designed it yeah, with yeah, yeah. Um, Erica Simpson. They're both names I respect. Wow. I'm excited. But have I watched the little one and a half minute trailer for it <laughs> no. that sat there just waiting for me to watch it? Yeah. I, I even like saved yeah. it to watch yeah. later. I've done that so many times you just don't get around to checking something out. It's got big knobs on it. I know that much. <laughs> it's got, I think it's got a valve in the middle. It's one of oh, those ones. Big knobs, good. valve. Yeah. I'm excited. But <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It definitely is hard to keep up. Very much changed how. I mean, I think the sort of the turnaround is a lot quicker with music and everything these days. You know, like the sort of consumer rate. Well, yeah, I've made I've made the active decision to get back into actually making music and releasing and and trying not trying to earn a living with it, but I mean, trying to be 
the artist and the sack as such rather than yeah. just some guy who knocks out records here and there like yeah, I yeah. want to maybe try to build towards get getting back to doing live stuff cool. but I know that there's there's a long road ahead of me to get there but yeah that whole release schedule thing I'm actually kind of excited about it because yeah. it's forcing me um, to write differently like write a little quicker and dirtier yeah, yeah. you know like there's a lot of like taking snapshots of ideas, like little, there's a synth line, just grabbing that audio and putting it in a folder and I've got that. Rather yeah. than what used to happen is where I'd spend four days on one thing. Yeah. Like just letting things happen and then coming back to it at the end of a week or a month and going, mm. oh, actually, okay, like that into that into that, like Lego building it all yeah, together yeah, yeah. is, I'm enjoying it and it's yeah, quick. It's you know, yeah. like making music. It's sometimes nice to make a ten-minute song in ten minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just really nice. Like, make it all completely it's in just real like, time. Oh <laughs> wow! How cool is that? That's why I'm jealous of guitarists. Yeah, you just record. Jose it. Gonzalez. He can write an album in forty-five minutes. Yeah. Or you can at least record it in that one. Yeah, totally. Any? Is there anything you need to plug? Yeah, we didn't. I didn't even do the who are you at the start. <laughs> who are you? Don't tell him, don't tell him. I'll, I'll introduce you at the start. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just buy my records. Yeah, I just did a gig in London, so I can't plug that. That's all gone. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out. You're just home the, for Christmas. I will at some point in the coming few months be announcing a record I suppose I will be doing some things in the future yeah as long as we something see as long as we don't cease to exist or something <laughs> that would really suck yeah I'm definitely going to be doing stuff in the future yeah Boop. we all vanish I'll be announcing a record at some point so yeah <laughs> you sound so happy about it <laughs> oh, no. and then, then, then I'm going to have to tour again and that's very tiring I love it I love it don't get me wrong but Fuck you now. <laughs> I just never got enough pants. <laughs> it's all laundry. We could talk about that for hours. I'm hanging up. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Me and Nathan have really similar kind of similar experiences of of the music industry yet completely different which I quite like feel like I learned some stuff and and things and weirdly something that I don't think came up in the pod but maybe maybe me and him talked about afterwards was there's a couple of tracks on Dan and Pip records that uh, you would never think inspired by Nathan but were me trying to work it out but doing it badly like so if you go back to rapper's battle there's actually bits of that that are me trying to work out what nathan does but not actually being able to but then finding something i like so uh it's kind of nice where inspiration comes from for me personally you know copying people no not copying homage homage i think sometimes i do that when i'm producing things but i end up making like a caricature which is fine at least i'm making something and again thank you patreons thank you people who use with a band camp thank you people who review all that stuff means a huge amount um i know i say it every week but it is really important like trying to do this uh diy existence I, i need to highlight the fact that i see you when you do things that help me continue this DIY existence, you know? Next week's guest isn't recorded yet, as ever. I'm, I always leave them real late. I'm going to get ahead again. When we started, I was like weeks ahead, but that slipped a long time ago. But next week's guest I'm recording, I'm actually going to record it more than a week in advance this time, because I recorded this on Friday and it's out on Tuesday. This one just gone. So... <laughs> I'll get better, I promise. So hassling me, Mum. Oh, yeah, I'll clean my room in a minute. Yes, yes, I'll do the washing up. Oh, God. Yeah, I know if I leave the Yorkshire pudding pan like that, it'll set. Oh, I'm actually having flashbacks now to my, to my youth, earning my fiver a week by doing the washing up every night and washing a car. <laughs> in the summer, add the uh, mowing the lawn to that. Not slave labour as such, but very, very underpaid labour, my household growing up. And once again, meandered off topic, so I'll I'll just leave, shall I? I'll just hang up, and uh, you can get the advert at the end from Acast. And then you can go on Twitter and and hit retweet on my post about this podcast, because that makes, makes other people know about it. Have a lovely week and I'll see you on the next episode.